Well, a few weeks ago, Pastor Clint asked if I could speak today on 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 to chapter 2, verse 3. And so I went and looked at the passage, and I, I got really, really excited when I looked at the passage because it touches on a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. But uh, before I start talking about the passage, it'd be good if we actually read it. And so please open in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22, and we'll read through chapter 2, verse 3. And I'd like to invite you to stand as I read this passage in your hearing. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that you've given us. Lord, as we examine it this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive the things that you have for us. Pray that you would guide my words and my thoughts and that I would communicate effectively and pray for each of my brothers and sisters here that you would open their hearts and that, they, that you would illuminate their minds through your Holy Spirit. They would receive your word. And I pray that as a result, we would grow thereby. I ask in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the entire passage that we're looking at this morning is built around two commands. And the first of those commands is found in verse 22. That command is love one another. Now, love is a huge topic, and I'm not going to be able to really uh, plumb the depths of that topic this morning. I'm only going to be able to touch upon it lightly. The most important thing that we need to know about love is that it reflects the character of God. It's what he is like. God is love. And that's what makes love such an important thing for us, is that it reflects the holy creator who made us. And he made us and he created us in his image. And so love is woven into the very basis of our beings. Each one of us was created, created to love. Each one of us was created to receive love. And because of that, you see that love is a major emphasis. I mean, you read a book, good chance it talks about love, see a movie, listen to a song on the radio. Uh, good chance any of those things is going to be talking about love. The problem is that when we fell into sin, then our love fell as well. And it became focused on fulfilling our own selfish desires rather than sacrificially serving the needs of others like God's love does. 
And so in this verse, then, Peter doesn't just command us to love, but he commands us to do so fervently with a pure heart. And so our love isn't supposed to be just some vague feeling of affection. You know, I kind of like them. I can tolerate their presence. And um, it's supposed to be a fervent love, a love that is willing to overcome obstacles in order to serve the needs of the other person. And it's not supposed to be about ourselves, about meeting our own desires. It's supposed to be pure, focused on others and serving them. Now notice also in verse 22 that the reason we're supposed to love one another is because we have purified our souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. And the phrase obeying the truth or something similar to that is used many times in the Bible, and it's used in reference to the act of putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We obey the truth when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We, we hear the gospel, the good news about all that Jesus Christ has done for us in order to redeem us from our sins and reconcile us to God, and the time comes when we, we resist that message for a while, and the time comes when we stop resisting the message that we've heard, and we respond to the message. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we call upon him. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, verse 22 tells us that that is a work of the Holy Spirit. It says that we would, uh, that we obeyed the truth through the Spirit. And so when we were lost in our trespasses and sins, we originally had no desire to be reconciled to God. We hated him. He was interfering with our lives, messing things up. We wanted to do things our way, and so we resisted him. But the Holy Spirit began to work in our hearts. He began to draw us, began to break down our resistance, began to convict us of our sin, and we came to the point where the Holy Spirit drew us to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so it was a result of his work that we've come to faith in him. And so when we then obeyed the truth by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, it resulted in what verse 22 calls purifying our souls. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And so before we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our souls were contaminated with the guilt of sin. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, his blood then cleansed us from all sins. It made us clean. It purified our souls. And then the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us and he began to work and he started changing us from within. And so verse 23 then describes what happened when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as having been born again. And so when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we die to our old life and we have a brand new life. Just like, you know, when we were born the first time we received a new life. Uh, when we are born again, we receive not a new physical life, but a new spiritual life, a new life with God in which we are reconciled with him and can walk with him. And the seed that gives us that new life is identified in verse 23 as the word of God, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. And so... The seed that gives new life is the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing 
by the Word of God. Without hearing the Word of God in some form, no one ever comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it can be that they've heard the Word of God through what we've said, so we've told them something about what the Word of God says, and as a result of that, they've responded in faith. Perhaps they've read it, perhaps they've heard it, but in some way, a person can only come to faith in Jesus Christ if they hear the Word of God. Christy and I have acorn squash growing in our garden this year. We did not plant acorn squash. But we are not so foolish as to believe that that acorn squash just sprang up spontaneously of itself. We know that whenever we find acorn squash, there was an acorn squash seed that was planted in order to make that acorn squash grow. And what happened is uh, late last autumn, we ate some acorn squash and we cleaned it out before we ate it and uh, we put the acorn squash seeds in our compost and uh, it was pretty cool and so the acorn squash sat in our compost all winter and really didn't rot away because it was uh, preserved and so then this spring I put the compost on our garden and rototilled it under and uh, we now have an abundant supply of acorn squash growing in our garden. Uh, we added an extra fence around the acorn squash in order to keep it from taking over all the rest of the garden. Told the acorn squash, okay, if you guys go outside the fence, I'm gonna kill you, so stay inside the fence. And uh, so, we have plenty of acorn squash. Well, it's like that with putting our faith in Jesus Christ. When we see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ, they didn't just come to faith in Jesus Christ spontaneously with no influence at all. The seed of the Word of God was planted in their life. And you may have some friends and family members who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you're hoping that they will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you may be hoping that they're going to observe your life and see the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life and that that will bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. But if they only are observing the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life and they are never hearing the Word of God, they're thinking, well, you know... Um, you know, Scott Maney, he's really a nice guy. But they don't know what happened to him that changed him. They need to have some exposure to the Word of God in order to recognize what's happened to him. And so, prayerfully consider how the seed of the Word of God might be sown in your loved one's life so they can put two, to two, two and two together, get four, and put their faith in him. What can I do in order to bring my loved one under the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ in some way? And there's a whole host of ways that that might take place. Prayerfully consider, you know, am I gonna invite them to come with me to something at church or am I gonna invite them over to my house and uh, see if they'd like to have a Bible study with me? Uh, do I have a piece of gospel literature I can share with them? Do I have a DVD that tells the story of the gospel that I can share with them? How can I bring this person under the sound of the word of God? And back in verse 23, that word of God, that seed of the word of God is described as incorruptible. And that means it doesn't decay. And I don't know how many times you've perhaps driven by a cornfield and you look out on the field and you see that some parts of the cornfield are growing and some parts are not. And what often happens is you have a little lower part in the field and you have a big rainstorm in the spring, that part of the field gets flooded, 
the corn that's been sowed in that part of the field, the seed, it rots away. The corn grows in the part of the field that was a little bit higher, doesn't grow in the part of the field where the seed rotted. But that doesn't happen with the Word of God. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 tells us, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper the thing for which I sent it. And so God's word is incorruptible. It does not rot away. It doesn't have to worry about being flooded out. It will accomplish his purpose. Peter illustrates this in verses 24 and 25. Um, most of those verses are a quote from Isaiah 40, verses 6 to 8, to point out that God's word is not transitory like we are. You know, we don't last forever. Uh, someday, and it won't be too long, we're not going to be here anymore. Uh, we're like a weed that springs up and dies away. We're like a vapor that the sun rises and the vapor dissolves. But God's word stands forever. In Matthew 24, verses 30, verse 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And, and I'm really glad for that. I'm really glad that God saw to it that it was all written down in black and white for us. I've said this before, but I can't go to the grocery store and buy more than three things without a list. Um, you know, Christy calls me on the phone and says, can you pick up a gallon of milk on the way home? Okay, gallon of milk and a loaf of bread. Okay, loaf of bread and, uh, and some peanut butter. Okay, peanut butter and some grapes. Let me get a piece of paper um, because I will not remember more than three items without a list. Will not. Impossible. It does not happen. God knew that. And so he gave me a list. He wrote it all down in black and white. I can read it and reread it and reread it. Say, what was that again? Check up. There, that's what it says. He wrote it down for me. And I'm grateful for that. Now, based all upon all that, we get to chapter 2. And in verses 1 to 3, we get the second major command of the passage. And that command is desire the pure milk of the word. Since God's word is so wonderful, we should desire to receive it. And verse 1 focuses on how we should receive it. It says we should lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So yesterday, uh, Andrew and Sarah DeWitt were married here in our auditorium. And following that, we went to the Fish and Game Club for a reception. And I was sitting at a table in the Fish and Game Club with the young family. And I heard the mother say to the two little boys, have you washed your hands? Uh, she wanted them to make sure they washed their hands before they ate because she realized that they may have gotten their hands dirty. She didn't want the dirt on their food. She didn't want them to get germs. She wanted them to remain healthy. And so it was important for them as they came to eat that they should wash their hands. And as we come to God's Word, we don't want to come to it contaminated with the dirt that we've brought in. 
from outside. We live in a dirty world. We're surrounded by malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. It doesn't take too much time uh, watching the news, going on social media, uh, seeing a television program, listening to political discourse, to realize that we're surrounded by malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. The danger, it's going to rub off on us. We're going to bring it with us as we come to God's Word. And so when we come to God's Word, it's good to take a moment to examine our hearts, see if any of those things have clung to us, to wash those things away in the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 then goes on to tell us that we should desire God's word as newborn babes. And this is the part of the message I'm really excited about because I get to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. So on April 22, uh, our daughter Beth and our son-in-law Mark had a little baby boy, Henry Thomas Stratman. Now I'm in the process of relearning everything I had forgotten about babies. So um, learning how they smell when they're clean. You know, babies, when they're clean, they have a special smell. Learning how they smell when they're dirty. They have a special smell then, too. Um, learning the little sounds they make. Uh, you know, ba newborn babies, they kind of squeak a lot. And, uh, you know, little grunts and squeaks and stuff in there. And uh, learning about the protective instincts they awaken in our hearts that, you know, you're holding a little baby and, uh, um, you know, kind of experience a little mama bear in there. Uh, you know, don't mess with my cub. I'm going to take care of this little one. No one's going to hurt this little one. I'm going to do whatever I have to to make sure this baby is safe. And one of the things that I'm being reminded of is how much newborn babies like to eat. And so, newborn baby doesn't say, well, you know, I had dinner at 5 uh, p.m. I'm good until 6.30 a.m. tomorrow when I'm going to have my breakfast. A newborn baby wants more. And so, a baby says, I want more. I had dinner at 5. I want more at 8 p.m. I want more at 11 p.m. I want more at 2 a.m. I want more at 5 a.m. I want more. When you walk out of church this morning, are you going to say, well, you know, I've got my dose of God's Word for the week, and so I'm good until next Sunday morning at 9.30? Or are you going to be like a newborn babe who sincerely desires the milk of the Word? Tomorrow, are you going to say, I want more. I can't wait a whole week to have more of God's Word. I need to have some of God's Word today. And on Tuesday, are you going to say, I want more? On Wednesday, I want more. On Thursday, I want more. Friday, Saturday, I want more. I cannot go a whole week without God's Word. I want more. I need to have more of God's Word. I cannot wait until next Sunday. Now, all that God's word that we want, we want more, we want more. The reason we want more, back from verse 2, is that we may grow. 
thereby. And so last weekend, Chrissy and I went to Ohio to see little Henry Thomas Stratman, and uh, it had been close to a month since we saw him last. He was bigger. He grew in that last month. And uh, one of the most important things we can do is to expose ourselves to God's Word so that we can grow in the Lord. And so I'm saying, read your Bible. Read it often. Read it all. Read it repeatedly. Read your Bible. Sometimes there are babies who have trouble with their digestive systems. They're not able to eat properly. And so as a result, they fail to thrive. And I'm urging you, do not be a spiritual failure to thrive baby, but eat deeply of God's Word and grow thereby. Now, in verse 3, we can notice that one of the reasons we want to feed and receive God's Word to us is because God is good. It says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And that's a reference to Psalm 34, 8, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so uh, I've mentioned our dog before. Christy and I have a beagle. His name is Tucker. Tucker thinks that people food is the most wonderful thing in the world, with certain few exceptions. And so um, if you're standing at the counter and you're making a salad and you're cutting celery and a piece of celery accidentally falls on the floor, he'll pounce on the piece of celery because it's people food, right? It's got to be good. He'll start chewing on it, and after a while, he'll spit it out, and he'll look at it, and he says, this is people food. It must be good. So he'll pick it up again, and he'll chew on it a little more, and then he'll spit it out again, and he'll walk away in disgust. Now, that's not what happens if you're making a pizza and you drop a piece of pepperoni. If you drop a piece of pepperoni, it is inhaled and never seen again because Tucker has tasted and seen that pepperoni is good. And so he likes pepperoni. The Lord is good. Have you tasted God's goodness? Have you looked deeply enough into God's Word to experience His goodness to you? Have you experienced His unmerited favor that when you were lost in His trespasses and sins, when you deserved absolutely nothing but punishment from Him, that uh, He not only loved you, but that Jesus Christ, His Son, went to the cross, He bore the entire punishment for your sin that you deserved there so that He could reconcile you to God. He rose from the dead to give you new life. He sent His Holy Spirit to live inside of you and to change you from the inside. He's coming again to receive you unto Himself, to bring you to a perfect place where you will rejoice forever and ever. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? And so today we are coming together to celebrate the graciousness of God because we're picturing what Jesus Christ did for us with the communion table. 
we're recognizing that this bread is a picture of his body that was broken for us, the pain that he endured on our behalf so that we could be reconciled to God. His grace, him perfect, we imperfect, his grace on our behalf, the cup, his blood that was shed for us, that he gave his lifeblood. He died in order to save our lives. When we deserved only death, he came on our behalf. And so we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're tasting today and seeing that the Lord is gracious. We're celebrating that together. Now this is the Lord's table. It's not the table of First Baptist Church in Zealand. It's the Lord's table. And so if you belong to the Lord, if you have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, we invite you to join us in this celebration today that you are celebrating God's grace to you. But if you have never come to the point in your life when you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I'd encourage you not to participate in the Lord's table today. You have not tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious yet. You are still resisting uh, coming to him in faith. You have not yet received his grace. And so participating in this act, this would be totally meaningless for you. This won't uh, somehow save you in any way. It won't somehow make you more favorable to God. Only faith in Jesus Christ can bring you into right relationship with God, not partaking of these elements. These elements are memorial of what Jesus Christ has done for us. They're a reminder. They're not something that helps to save us. They're something that helps us to rejoice that we're saved. And so if you have not yet come to the point of receiving God's gift of eternal life, uh, please don't participate with us this morning. But please don't leave this morning either without tasting to see that the Lord is gracious. Following the service today, please find one of us and say, can you tell me from the Bible how I can come to God through Jesus Christ? And we'll be glad to show you so that you also can taste and see that the Lord, of, Lord is good. Now as we come for, as we celebrate the Lord's table today, we'll be coming forward to receive the elements. We won't be distributing the elements uh, through each pew. And so first please take some time to lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking. Bow your head in prayer. Talk to the Lord. Examine your heart. Say, Lord, is there any unfinished business between us that I ought to take care of before I come to the table? Do I need to wash my hands? Do I need to wash my heart? Talk to him for a while in prayer. And then when you're ready, come forward to receive the elements. And though there's no hurry, feel free to take your time. Um, pray as long as you want, and then come forward. And when you receive the elements, then please feel free to partake of them when, we're, when you're ready. We won't be um, all partaking of them in unison, but just uh, get in a quiet spot, partake of the elements. <coughs> Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. <coughs> and finally, if you would prefer to receive the elements in your seat, Good thing I'm almost done. My voice is going. <coughs> if you'd prefer to receive the elements in your seat, feel free to do that. Pastor Clint will have 
the elements. He'll be going up and down the aisle and just kind of wave at him a little and uh, he'll come over and bring you the elements in your seat. With that in mind, I'd like to lead in prayer and then I'd like each of us to continue in prayer as the Lord leads and when we're ready to partake. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. That when we were lost and without hope, that he bore the penalty for our sins on the cross, that he gave his body to be broken for us, that he shed his blood to give us a new relationship with you through faith in him. And so, Lord, as we partake of these elements today, I pray that we might do it in remembrance of him. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.